Well, hello, dear listeners, and welcome to another episode of Romance at a Glance. I'm your host, Bridget. With me, as always, is my co-host, Shawnee. How are you doing today, Shawnee? I'm doing so good, Bridget, because you know this is my favorite book. Yes, today we are talking Lover Mine, John Matthew and Zex. Let's get into it. Romance at a Glance. Uh-huh. Romance at a Glance. What'd you say now? Romance at a Glance. Go ahead, girl. All right, fair friends, lover mine. Who else out there is a monster John Matthew fan like Shawnee and I? Is it you? Me, 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 me. Is it you? It's me. Is it us? I'm the number one. This is episode seven of season two of our podcast, but Black Dagger Brotherhood book number eight. And I have to say, this book held up. A couple of the other books that we've read have not held up to the test of rereading, and this book really held up for me. How about for you? This book really, really held up. Actually, this book was like, um, you know when you have like young love, and then you have like what they call like old, they have new relationship energy love, yes. and then old relationship energy love? I do. This had that old relationship energy love. It it changed. The first time I read it, it was more like, ha, ha, ha. This time it was like, ah. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it was so satisfying for me. So satisfying. Not only was the main couple incredibly satisfying in this book, but also the subplot of Blay, Quinn, and Saxon was incredibly intense. Ooh. I will say the one thing I did not love about this book was the other two side plots, the one in the Southern Paranormal Mansion, didn't care. <laughs> and... <laughs> the, the, even the past with Darius and Torment, I actually guessed before the book was over what was going to happen and who no one was going to be. Yeah. But I felt like it took a really long time to get there. And I was kind of like, okay, let's just move this along. Yes. And then as always, like, I don't care all that much about lessers. Uh, Lash, I felt like got what was coming to him. I felt like he deserved to have all his skin fall off and to turn into a decrepit monster. Oh, my gosh. Because that was his inside being reflected on the outside. Do you know, so one of the things I think that when I first read this book and I was skipping all these lash and lesser um, parts, it didn't allow me to go to have these feelings of like, there is this dude whose skin is falling off and whatever. So the book was much more like light and enjoyable that way. And when Mm. you read this book and read all of these parts in between that bring your mood up and down and up and down and up and down, that's why I feel like the love that I feel with John Matthew and Zex in this book is a yummier, lovier, warm type of love than when I first read it, if that makes sense. Yes, and also I felt a lot more validation when she gets to kill Ash at the end because I read all the other parts, I was like, oh, hell yes. So, so much happier that he died. I was always happy he died because, like, he's just a shitty character and a shitty person. Or not yeah. a shitty character. He's a he's a shitty person. Not He's a well-written character. But I felt but, like in this book, I was, like, yearning for him to get what was coming to him. And oh, actually, oh, yeah. in a terrible oh, way, yeah. I was kind of hoping that the Omega was going to, like, rape him, which I felt like was really dark in my mind, but I'm a little ashamed to admit it, but I was kind of hoping that was also going to happen to him. 
I was happy she did get to kill him. I like. I guess the Omega was, you know, disappointed that he wanted a, a female or whatever. I felt like the Omega gave up on him really quickly. He was like, "Man, my son's so a quick. punk ass bitch. <laughs> I'm over this punk like, ass bitch." <laughs> he's not. The Omega's I, not for toxic relationships. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I kind of wanted a POV from the Omega because when Lass yeah. was created we got to have the omegas pov so i wish that we had gotten at least a few paragraphs of that because i agree it did seem really fast however in the last book the omega does talk about how he thinks that lash is going to be like the second coming so i think it was less about him wanting a female and more about the weakness that required him to feed to stay oh, alive to feed and from to a keep female. his power yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's that was how i read it so I think that the most romantic, romantic thing that happened in this book, Bridget, is when John Matthew puts Sex's hand around that dagger and lets Absolutely. and helps her kill Lash. I mean, I was Absolutely. like butterflies, all of the butterflies and the oh, that was my moment. Especially since, especially since we're in book eight and we've been given every single book the idea that this bonded male, like, the biology can't be overridden and he has to take vengeance and he has to protect his female and blah, blah, blah. And in this book, I thought that was, like, such a clear indication of the strength of his character, that he was able to circumvent that biology and suppress his own need to kill Lash, which which he had every right to kill Lash, too, not only as her as her mate, but also for himself, for, yeah. like, Lash trying to, you know, rape him, Lash fighting him. Like, they had a lot of bad blood separately. So I really loved that scene. I thought that John Matthew really earned all of the love that I have for him, mm-hmm. which I was happy about. It was a lot of mushy love. And it went a long way for me in terms of Zax's decision to not kill herself and to not, like, take the vengeance and then fade away. Because he basically is, like, uh, proving to her through actions that he's going to be the mate who will, like, stand by her side and not only, like, protect her and hold her hand and love her, but also let her be who she is, which is someone who's going to want to stab that motherfucker by herself. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, man. So, okay, let's go, like, back to the beginning because we are at the end right now. We are at the end. We're at the end. Okay. Okay. Great plan. So the last book we left off with Revenge and Elena getting together and the cuteness of them. Revenge is now the king of the sympaths, holding it down. Wrath has decided to embrace being king of vampires. And in that rescue attempt, or actually successful rescue, it was not an attempt, uh, Zex gets captured by Lash and some freaky deaky Omega magic he has. And whisked away into a room that no one can see her or find her, where she has now spent the last month being beaten and raped every day by Lash. So that's kind of where we're at at the beginning. At the end of the last podcast, Bridget, when you were like, you know, Zex is going to be raped a bunch. I was like, like it like it really hadn't sunk in. And after you said that, I was dreading reading this book. I was like, no, if I don't read it, it never mm. happened. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know. I know. Um, no. And then, so, so she's, I, I love the fact, though, that Zex is 
constantly fighting Lash with everything mm-hmm. that she has. Even when she's like mm-hmm. standing, she's super weak or whatever. She like never puts her guard down. Um, those moments between her and Lash in the room were so intense. I was so in it uh, when I it was agree. happening. And then it made it even more like heartbreaking when like you see John Matthew, you know, trying his hardest to find where she is. And when he finally, they do finally find it and he's in the room with her and she's cloaked and he can't get to mm-hmm. Bridget. Come on. How did you feel? Oh my God. I literally was half in tears. The moment when she says like watching him fall apart cracked the rest of her heart. I was like, Yeah. And and then also when she says, please don't leave me here, take me with you, I was like, I couldn't even imagine that because she's literally been holding her shit together by a fucking thread. Like, yeah. she's, like, mixing cocktails in her mind to keep from going insane, knowing that every day is going to be another brutality. And then here comes this guy who she's in love with but will not recognize that. And he's there. He's ready to save her. And she can't get to him and he can't get to her. I mean, that for me, I was like, but you know what they did like about this? Cause I do feel like a lot of times in books in general and in this series, the guys are always saving the girls. So Bella got saved by Zadist. And I really liked in this book that she recognizes Lash's weakness and recognizes that this is her moment because he's feeling weak and busts herself the fuck out of there. Yeah. Which I liked because I think, A, it was like going along with her character. Um, but also it was nice that she had a little agency in escaping because I think probably as like someone who survived that, that feels more powerful. Like I got away from him and well, then obviously she kills him. I would not have enjoyed... Uh, this book, if if she had been saved, if she had not saved herself in that situation, like yeah. it it would have made me upset because that's not her character. Yes. That's like just not who she is. So I would have been like, you sold me a bill of goods. <laughs> <laughs> like Vicious, you sold me a bill of goods. Where's my BDSM? <laughs> all right. Let's go all the way back to the beginning because we were really just diving so hard into this. I want to give you a few fun facts and I want to talk quick about a few other things. Okay. Fun I'm ready facts. for these fun facts. Number, I love fun facts. Okay, let's go. Number one. I like that J.R. Ward, first of all, a lot of people call her the warden, which I think is very cute. So when <laughs> answering book questions about her books, she basically always devolves into innuendo. So she was answering a question about a character she would want to see in future books. And she said, murder is coming, people. He's coming. That's what she said. I just have to fit him in. That's also what she said. <laughs> and I was just like, that's fucking hysterical. <laughs> uh, she's. This is just a fun fact about how much she writes. She's been writing three books a year. One Black Dagger Brotherhood, one Black Dagger Brotherhood trainee, and one Bourbon Kings book. Three year, three a book. Three books a year, which is fucking crazy. Because not long? only are they just three, they're all hella long. Like, this book was 512 pages. That's a long-ass book. And... Yeah, so that's just, that's just, I mean, that's just astounding. It's not even a fun fact. It's just astonishing. And then Man, my other I think fun the fact. Warden, I think the warden is a good name for her because she has to be like a warden of her own time in order to be able yeah. to make this happen. I, I wish I, I had this discipline. Dear God. I agree. I'm like, 
I'm not even sure I could do like an Instagram post today. And it's like, <laughs> she's, she's writing, you know, probably like 25 pages a day. Uh, and then the other fun fact, we always talk about how she really loves rap and hip hop and Jay-Z. Uh, and especially she talks about it a lot in the earlier books. And that is what she listens to while she's running to keep up her pace. So that explains why she has such a good knowledge of sort of different songs and different things. She probably was listening to it on her run and popped it into the book. Ah, okay. So I have literally gone through this thought thread so many times, which is in these books, there are so many pop culture references that I'm like, how can one person know all of these things to even think to put them into a book? Do you know what I mean? I guess if she dreams it, maybe Mm -hmm. that's how. But I'm like, she, (laughs) she writes like 10 hours a day, but then also has to be you know, watching The Real Housewives and all of these shows to be able to put all these references. I'm like, where? How? When do you see your she husband? She probably when? is one of those people who only, she probably only watch, like sleeps like five hours a night. I believe it. She probably goes to bed at like nine. <laughs> She's like one of those people who goes you know, from like probably, to bed from like goes nine to, bed to two. Like, yeah. Yeah. Or she's in bed at like midnight, wakes up at five and is just like back at it. Who knows? It's a mystery. It's really a mystery, but she does a good job. All right, let's get back. Let's get back into the characters. So where we just left off, Zex broke herself out. Uh, I thought the scene where Revenge and the brothers sort of pay him the respect of a bonded male after he absolutely fucking shreds to pieces that lesser uh, was kind of a nice moment of showing that he's now a grown-up, and he's no longer at the kids' table, you know? <laughs> yeah. uh, and I also thought it was kind of interesting that she calls Revenge to say, I'm out, you know, I'm fine, I'm going to get my vengeance. But Revenge even doesn't know about her apartment where John Matthew finds her. John Matthew is the only person who's ever been there. And I thought that that was a really sort of beautiful testament to the fact that even though she won't admit it, John Matthew is real deep under her skin. Mm-hmm. That's her boy. That's her. That's yeah. her. You know, I love that even when they first met, that it wasn't like a love at first sight thing, but it was a connection at first sight. Even when he was like a pre-trans, and she was like, "Huh," mm-hmm. you know. But at the end of the day, like Zex is like this androgynous, like. You know, they they talk about her as like having no boobs, having no body, really, no curves, no, no nothing. Mm-hmm. She's a she's a bit of a pre-trans as well. Um, Except for that, she's like six feet tall and like muscly and shit. Yeah, but I mean, like in terms of like you know, it it looks like she hasn't necessarily gone through puberty. <laughs> oh yeah, you know. Um, but uh, I love that they had that initial connection in the beginning. I love the slow burn of John Matthew and Zex. And I love that in the last book, like, they left us at awkward middle school. Like, ha <laughs> <laughs> What is your thought about the fact that their connection could be Darius's shadow self within John Matthew and the fact that Zex, he was there when Zex was born, and took care of her as a child. Well, I I mean, I love that. And it's plausible. It's like, as crazy as it is, because it's like the reincarnation of Darius. But Tor is also there. And I like the parallels of 
tour shooting Lash as well as shooting yeah, I did the, the sympath that was that was uh, Zex's father. Holding or, Zex's mom. Right. Holding, yeah. And, yeah, um, I guess it was Zex's father. Yeah, true. Yeah, so so the... So, I, I mean, I, I actually did enjoy it. I didn't think it was, like, a far-fetched thing. I do think that that storyline played out so long. So this book so is my favorite slow. favorite so book, but... fucking slow. God. I was like, yeah, I'm I like, don't care about this. You can't half that shit. Do you not care? Yeah. Or actually, also, I, don't not, I don't not care. I think it took too long. Yeah. We went back to them too many times. Well, and all the I, stuff we were reading was just like them being like, uh, it's so unfair for this female. Uh, like it took too long, I thought. Yeah. And so, like, sometimes I think J.R. Ward gives too much description um, about yeah. a situation. Sometimes it's warranted. I'm like, oh, wow, she painted that picture perfectly. And sometimes I'm like, I don't need that much to know. Like, yeah. Yeah, that they we followed the entire investigation with Darius and Tor, and yeah. I was like, we didn't no. need that investigation to last that long. Um, also, no. just on no. a side note about the narration, please. So we've talked about Jim Frangione, and I'm not. This is not his fault. Whoever edited this book did a poor, poor job. There are huge between every chapter, the gap before the next one starts is so long that I would keep checking my phone to make sure, like, nobody was calling and it hadn't shut off Audible. Um, there was oh, wow. a certain time. Yeah. And then there's times where I can hear, um, I think he's taking a drink in between takes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's uh, the noise reduction. Like, nobody did, you know, certain part, parts where there's, like, no noise reduction. There's certain parts where um, I can tell that Jim Frangione did a punch-in. You know, so it's like, oh, he messed up two mm-hmm. words. So he goes back in and records it. And it'll be like, mm-hmm. hello, how are you doing? <laughs> and I was like, who did this book? It needs to be redone. Um, and when I looked at the comments today, I was like, oh, every so it's not just me. Everybody notices. It's It was done very poorly. And it's not the narrator's fault. Uh, it's whoever um, produced this. So anyway, that was my little segue there because that annoyed the shit out of me. <laughs> All right. So it sounds like Love or Mine is one of these that you should read either a physical copy or a digital copy instead of mm-hmm. listening. Absolutely. All right. Good to know. Absolutely. Uh, I really liked Jane in her book, as you know. Yes. And this book continued to solidify the fact that I think she's a bad bitch because <laughs> – her treatment of Zex and the the calm confidence of her care with regards to the internal exam, with regards to her helping Zex uh, at least minutely begin to overcome her phobia of labs by asking her to watch the procedure, explaining it to her, uh, by telling her, you know, like, you know, were you violated? Do I need to check for that? Like, just making her feel at every stage that there is no, like, wrong answer to these things and that she's just so calm and competent and really, like, she's an exemplary example of what you would want your surgeon or doctor to be. And I just really liked that dynamic and I liked kind of getting to sit a little bit more with Jane. Yeah. I do too. I I liked also that there was a good 
uh, doctor-patient confidentiality. You mm-hmm. know, like whatever happens here is going to stay here. I think it's easy in the brotherhood because it's not because it's not real life. <laughs> you know, even for them, <laughs> it's not like normal life. They don't they don't have necessarily have the same rules as you know out in sure. the human world. So I think sometimes the sharing of information can be nonchalant. And John Matthews, there like, what, what, what's going on? What's going on? And she's like, that ain't none of your business. If she won't tell you, mm-hmm. she gonna tell you. You know? Yeah. Um, I do find that, um, I mean, oh, when when John Matthew goes back to the apartment and Zex is there, like, almost near death. And even when mm-hmm. J.R. Ward says, like, um, you know, she was so weak, she, her teeth couldn't even, like, break the skin on his wrist mm-hmm. uh, so she could feed you know, and so he helps her, and like the caring that he has in this scene, oh, man, I just I loved mm-hmm. it. I loved it. I love the I love when he's carrying her, and mm-hmm. she's just like she she tried to put up a fight for a second. <laughs> I was like, no, I can, and then and then she's like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, all of these moments for me were really pretty, and all the way along the line, even though they know that they love each other. They there's not this like underlying expectation that they are going to be together. He's not like, yeah. oh, because because I tattooed her name, because I saved her, because I've bonded and my bonding scent is there doesn't mean like she belongs to me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, the opposite, he thinks she's going to leave him. He's he's sure and she is sure that yeah. this is only going to be a temporary partnership. And that I think is I think that's a beautiful sentiment, like the fact that you you have the choice to love someone and it doesn't have to have expectations or anything else attached to it. Um, so I, I just thought that was so yeah. beautiful. And, that, and I, that you can, and that you can love someone where they're at, even though you know, it might not last forever. Like you can still care for them and still treat them with the most respect and the most care and the most love and cherish them, even though they might leave you or you think they're going to leave you. Because yeah. really at the end of the day, like, we don't know that the person that we love is going to love us back forever. But you're choosing to hope and to still, you know, just love them the way that they need to be loved for that. I think that yeah. he really loves her also the way that she needs to be loved. And I think it's really wonderful that in this book— like she's constant. Like he's the one who's constantly like he's sitting in the room, but he's like he's like, oh, I know she likes her space, so I'm sitting back. And she's the one who's like, come hold my hand, come back, teach me sign language. Like mm-hmm. I want to be a part of your life too. And he's, you know, like his when she described the way his like he has this huge grin on his face. You know, I was just like, it's so sweet. He gets me. He gets gets me right in the cheeks, you know, (laughs) you're smiling so big while reading and you're just like, squee! And it's so so justified, I think, Zex's story, too, with John Matthew. It's like, in other books, when when they're playing this, like, cat and mouse thing, sometimes you feel like it's super contrived and um, there's nothing really justifying it. But for her, you know, like, this already happened to her. She's replaying a past event that ended poorly. And... Uh, you know, and the only difference is, is that John Matthew knows she's a sympath. Um, yeah. So she has no expectation that this will end differently. And that, you know, she describes at the very end of the book how that was one of the most painful things she'd ever gone through. 
And she's like, and I only loved him half as much as John Matthew, you know? And mm-hmm. so her her wanting to be close to him, but but not wanting to cross the line into it being, you know, more makes sense. It makes sense why she chose the mm-hmm. line the whole time. It doesn't annoy me um, like it would in other books yeah. that they that they sit in that weird, awkward space for so long. Um, I really liked the way she described his emotional grids because we don't get to spend a ton of time in sort of that sympath point of view because both her and Revenge are suppressing their sympath side all the time. But I thought it was really cool in this book that she, when he's walking her through his past and takes her to, you know, the toilet stall where he was born and then the orphanage and then to the apartment and then to um, Tor and Wellesley's house, and she describes how, you know, she sees his emotional grid crumpling and then shore itself up just through, like, strength of will. I thought that was so interesting and so cool. And I also thought it was a little, like, because I he's never going to find out that Darius is, like, a part of him. Yeah. And so I, I, I liked the way she described that he had, like, the two emotional grids that were not in conflict but weren't the same. Which I thought was kind of an interesting, like, it just is a kind of an interesting thing for her to know about him, I guess. I'm not sure what she would really do about it, but it's just kind of cool. Uh, and then when she eventually meets her mom at the very end and she reads her grid and is like, she immediately knows it's my mom because they have the same emotional grid. Like, kind of, I, I took that as like the same emotional sort of foundation. Um, I really liked those scenes. I thought that was super fascinating. And also that, Revenge is always worried that he's going to be manipulating people and that the sympath side will bring out the darkness in him and that he'll manipulate people and be bad. And I feel like Zex is not really ever worried about that. Like she with at least with him. Like she's never trying to manipulate him or even worried she might. She's just using it to understand him more, which I I like about her. Yeah. And what do you feel about the tattoo like when she sees the the tattoo on his back? Um, I, I actually thought that scene was interesting for two reasons. One, I thought his response was fair, which was like, you've told me that this is, we're not going to be together forever. So like, this is, this tattoo is not for you. Basically, this was for me and my love of you. But like, you're not really involved in that if you're going to leave me and you don't want to be a part of this partnership. So I actually was okay with him being like, I don't want to talk about this. Um, I thought that her shock about it also was fair, though, because that's a huge <laughs> thing. Because she even says, like, what is his future Shellen going to do? Put her name under mine? Yeah. And that in their culture, because that is such a huge deal and you would mark your back with your Shellen, he's basically saying that even though they weren't mated, she was his mate or she is his mate. And putting her above all these other future people. Now, I know in the future, Tor, spoiler, but it's not really because this book has been out for a long time. But uh, I know eventually Tor finds a new mate. But I honestly can't remember what happens. But I'm assuming that he carves the next mate's name under his under Wellesley's name. That's my guess. You're not going to not carve... Your second mate's name, because they live for like hundreds oh, of oh, years. You gon', so oh, you gonna carve my name. You go carve your my name. 
Oh, you go back, son. You know, you but isn't it, it like a, a car? Isn't am I? I'm am I making this up? Is it a reincarnation of Wellesley? Um, or uh, I I could no. totally be making that up. I don't remember. No, whatsoever. She doesn't. But how special no, is it though if you can just get another shell in though? Like, I don't. I don't like so, that. Like, how special so, is it if you could just get? Another mate well, and who's bonding and who, like, meh. So, okay, I agree. However, it doesn't mean that you're bonded to the next one. So oh, you okay. might get another mate, but she might not be a bonded. And some of the people essentially get mated or married to someone they aren't bonded to. That's true. Because I feel like, you know, like so, Quinn's so parents, it, I don't think they were bonded. Right. Or, it's like a political like, alliance, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. guess that makes so, sense. I mean, so, even Rath yeah, and yeah. Beth. I mean, Rath and not Beth. Uh, Rath and Marissa, you know, were not bonded. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, did Vicious and Jane ever get bonded or ever get mated? No. So they no, never right? talk about them getting getting made it or at least not the whole like carving the name in the back right and, and that whole thing like if i was jane i'd be like you better get carved up right now <laughs> i'd be like i will wield my scalpel on your skin maybe jane I doesn't would. want it because you know she's an independent woman she's like she nah, independent i don't need woman. a ring I don't need a ring. You're not gonna lock me down. But you know, actually, there's one part. In this I mean, book she's that a I fucking really... ghost, though. Where's she going? <laughs> she gonna ghost him? <laughs> okay, okay. So there's one part in this book that I find um, very satisfying, and what okay, I, I call me. this section, I find the section called boundaries. Right? Okay. So. Uh, in general, to me, Zex has a lot of the power in um, with John Matthew and her dynamic. And yeah. when later on they find out that there's a house full of lessers, like Lash tells them, oh, there's this house full of lessers, like, go have at it, basically. Like, fuck the Omega. He fucked me. I'm going to fuck him now. Um, mm-hmm. And Zex is the only one who can go because she can be there in daylight. And so there's this, like, moment where... She tells Rath that it's going to happen. They go back and forth. They're like, no, you're not. Yes, we are. No, you're not. Yes, we are. Uh, and then she's about to walk the door after they're like, okay, fine. We'll give her a bunch of weapons and let her go because she's an independent person. Mm-hmm. We can't stop her. And then John right. Matthew, like, gra- grabs her for a moment. And he's like, yo. Mm-hmm. You know, he gives her that mm-hmm. look like, yo. And she's like, look, I'm either going to pull my hand away or you're going to let it go. And this could be a nice thing. But either way, I'm leaving, you know. Mm-hmm. And he lets her go. Which I which I liked, you know, that he was like, mm-hmm. you know, you're an, you are your own person. I can't force you to do anything. However, mm-hmm. he did something which we which you do in poly, right? Which is instead of telling someone what they can and can't do, right? So instead of saying like, um, you can't go out in the street and have sex with anybody without a condom, right? You you wouldn't say mm-hmm. that. You would say, uh, if you go out and have sex without a condom, that violates my boundary. Um, and so we will no longer be having unprotected sex, right? So that's mm. that's how you like would phrase that. And so there's not a punishment necessarily on someone going to have unprotected sex, but now it now it changes the what your rules for yourself. The You're dynamic, to make the rules, right? Yeah. So okay. when John when Zex goes out and she does her whole thing and she comes back and she comes back to John Matthew, um, this scene was so great. When she walks in, mm-hmm. she walks into the shower. She's all like, oh, he's going to be happy to see me. I'm back. I'm back for him. He's in the shower. He sees her. He sports a big-ass boner, but he's pissed. Mm-hmm. 
He's like, just because yeah. I got this boner don't mean I'm not pissed. You know? And she's like, I came back to you first. I haven't even checked in with anybody. I came to you first. He's like, big fucking whoop-de-doo. You know? Like, you know, and and I love that he uh, basically says to her, he's like, look, uh, my boundary is like, in this is that we're going to work together. Like, like I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to have your back. We're going to work together. And then this is going to be over. Like, yeah, you know, we're going to do the damn thing and then it's going to be over. And I like that he set down that, like, that boundary point for himself. I liked yeah. watching John Matthew mature over the books, but this is really the book yeah. where he, like, mans up. Like, and I, agree. and I love that, you know, and I feel like I Zex in that moment got to be her most feminine side in, in that when he says that, she's like, you know, she's like, all right. <laughs> she's like, oh, shit. Yeah. You know, when a guy talks to you and in I, that tone where he puts his foot yeah. down and you be like, and you be like, Ooh, okay, 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 okay. I, <laughs> I also feel like it made her reevaluate because when he's like, and then we'll be over, she's like a little bit crushed. Because yeah. he's always been the one who sort of held that space open for her. And I think that also helps her realize, oh, wait, do I really want to leave or do I want him? Like, do I want this to be over or do I want this to continue? Uh, one thing we haven't talked about yet is sex after rape. Uh, so trigger oh, warning yes. if anyone has a problem, uh, either skip forward in this section or... Um, Maybe stop listening because I don't know the time code that you should skip to, but I'm assuming it will be five minutes. So I liked that when they tried to have sex the first time when they were at Tor and Wellesley's house, she's like too triggered because yeah. to me that felt so fast. I mean, first of all, I want some vampire blood because how amazing would it be? To be in the state she was in where she could barely even pierce his skin with her fangs and was dying. One day later, all she needs is fucking drinking of some ancient blood and, you know, some food. She's right as motherfucking rain. <laughs> and I can tell you right now from the surgeries and stuff. She had surgery, too. The surgeries and shit I've been through. I did not walk up the next day and bounce around like a little kitten and go fight things. So oh, no. part A, oh, I would no. like some vampire blood. That would be nice. Um, I read a few reviews and a few of the people were talking about how they did not like that after, that that was the only instance where she was triggered and that all of the rest of their sexual experiences were good and perfect and mind-blowing and super yeah. hot and there was no more triggers. Yeah. I mean, I agree uh, with that sentiment. So um, the first one where she's, like, super triggered, um, I thought was, like, right on the money. It's It was very fast after what happened. Um, and then that's when she told. I also thought I, I, I wanted to lose John Matthew a point for this, but then I also remember that he's really immature. All the other brothers are so much older than he is. So, um, yeah, he's a child. He's, like, 27, yeah. and they're, like, yeah. 400. He's, you know, but when when she when that happens, she's like, okay, well, I gotta confess. Like, you know, Lash wasn't impotent, and so then John Matthew gets the point, and he's, you know, he breaks the he shatters the glass in in Tor's house, uh, whatever. I'm not sure if he did it just by his roar or if he actually like hit it. Um, no, it was just like it was just the energy of his the, pain emanating out of him. emanating exploded. Okay, it. that's what I thought. Yeah, so like. Yeah. Uh, and then it 
you know, flash forward to him, like he's running on a treadmill to the brakes and then he's on another treadmill and whatever. And uh, I really thought that that was her moment. Like it wasn't his moment, you know, and mm. it became it became about him. And uh, like, I'm very aware of, of this feeling because, um, you know, I have told you that I have dealt with sexual assault in the in the past. Um, and when I was like, uh, when I was a kid and what happens is every time somebody learns what happened, you have to revisit mm. the trauma through their eyes and their pain and how, you know, and then you have to, you've, you've gone to therapy, you've gotten over it, you've moved on with your life. And then you have to console somebody who's broken up for yeah. you, you know? Yeah. And so, it's like that circle of, um, the circle of pain or whatever thing that you sent me where it's like you're in the middle and every and then like directly outside of it is like your partner or your spouse and then directly outside of that is like your immediate family then it's like your extended family and friends then it's just like random acquaintances whatever and how you should never put your feelings about something on the person inside the circle so in that instance you were inside the circle or zex was inside the circle and John Matthew shouldn't have put that on her. He should have put that outward to like the next ring of people who would support him and carry that burden for him. Yes. I did feel like he did kind of do that with Blay. Like he did try to not burden her and just like run himself to death <laughs> to try to deal with it on his own. And I did like that Blay kind of was that person for him where he could unburden himself and then kind of come to a resolve like blaze like yes. i got you like we're gonna find this guy we're gonna do it together and john matthew's like okay let's do that but, but like, i totally zex, agree with you i think yeah. most people get that wrong most people get that wrong and i think the bonded male in him definitely got that wrong for sure yeah it was it was a moment where i was like oh john man like zex is like standing by the door babysitting him during through this and you know, mm-hmm. it had to be very difficult for her to to reveal this to him. You know, yeah. he won't even he won't even reveal that to her. You know, yeah. Um, and uh, and I'm sure that hit his trigger point too. That's also why he's running. But totally. but you know, now she reveals something super whatever, and she probably not got no comfort. You know, for a long time. Wait, when does when does he reveal to her that he was raped? Because he does he, reveal to he, her that in the. Sh- no, she goes into his brain. She goes into his energy when they're in the oh, shower. Oh, in the shower, like right mm-hmm. after that. Okay, yeah. that's right. And then she sees she sees everything. She sees the blood in the drain and whatever. So he never right. reveals it. It just says that he doesn't get mad that she invades his thoughts, you know. It was probably easier right, like for he, her. To, he her, lets her in. Yeah, you know. He, he it, lets her go in, yeah. You know, but like, imagine, yeah. you know, it was a long time between her revealing that to her receiving any sort of comfort um, for that situation. Mm-hmm. And I felt for her in that in that moment where I was just like, oh, great, I, I bear my heart out here and now I have to babysit you while you're running on this trim. I need you to get it together. <laughs> yeah. No, I feel that. I feel that. Uh, I did. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And for sure, obviously, his his response was... Also because, or compounded by the fact that he knows how it feels because he's also been raped. And then he also has dealt with Lash trying to rape him in their whole fight. So it was just like compounded and compounded. 
were you upset that their future sexual encounters, there was no trigger ever for either of them on either side? Yeah. So, I mean, upset is is too hard a word, but I was um, hoping that there would be maybe some modifications to their sexual experiences. um, Like she's always on top or something like that? Yeah. You know, in order for her to to help her feel not um, triggered by the situation. Also, it would have been really cool to see maybe a moment where they are being intimate. Um, mm-hmm. and maybe she does freak out and maybe they work through that moment together. Like I, I thought yeah. that the intimacy of that happening could have been a real, you know, like great re- moment for them. Zetas and Bella had a lot of those moments and they were very powerful. I thought. Yeah. So I, I did think that the fact like Zex becomes really, really human, <laughs> um, in this book for me, mm-hmm. you know, you yeah. get to hear a lot about her a lot about what's going on in her mind. And she's very vulnerable in her in her own mind. Even when she's like, you know, I'll just get home and I'll be all right. And she's like, and then there's a moment where she's like, well, I'm not all right. I'm probably going to be dying. I'm probably going to die here. And like you, you, you see her shifting in thought. Um, and so I, I just felt like um, there were moments where they could have taken it a bit deeper uh, between them, and I think that they could have used um, those sexual moments to actually even create sexual moments that were non-sexual, right? So, um, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to go on. Slight tangent, but I'll make it quick. Um, so <laughs> so you recently, um, I told you I had a really traumatic medical procedure done, and um, I couldn't feel my body anymore, like, in terms of, like, I couldn't, I wasn't, it was like I was disconnected. My mind and body were disconnected. My mind, my body would not turn on, like, sexually or, like, for anything. It really, I, it was like I couldn't feel emotion um, or whatnot. If my partner was, like, feeling froggy, and, you know me, I'm always froggy. Um, and I would try <laughs> so hard. I'm like, come on, body, come on, body, get froggy, get froggy. Um, and I couldn't. I just, I just couldn't. And I was so, um, I was worried and I was like, what the fuck is happening? Um, and some of the people in my, one of my support groups was like, what you, sh- what would help is non-sexual touch, right? So um, I've been learning shibari, which is like a rope tying or whatever. They were like, that's great because it's, it's a sensation play where you get to feel parts of your body individually and it'll help bring you and your butt, connect your mind back into your body. Um they were saying that when sex is attached to it, it becomes something you're striving for and it gives you anxiety, yeah. you know? Sure. So it would have been a really cool thing for Zex and John Matthew if they ha- they did something that was super intimate but not necessarily sexual in nature, mm-hmm. um, you know, before the sex started revving up, you know? I actually didn't care yeah. as much as I thought I would for their sexual encounters, Um like in other books, I'm like, it's hot, and I'm and I'm waiting for them. I actually really didn't. I I cared more for their tender moments. I uh, cared more for their book. emotional connection. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so this kind of brings us all the way back to where we started, which okay. is that John Matthew gave Zex the killing blow. Way to go, John Matthew. Way to go. Way to go. Woo-hoo. Way to go, bro. Uh, so then, right, I love that also Zex's response to that. So they go back to the clinic. Everybody's getting cleaned up. You know, everybody's got wounds and, and all that. And I love that she's like, okay, so now we're going to get mated. And he's like, oh, you want me to be your Helrin? And she's like, yes, obviously that's going to happen. 
and he's like laughing at right her. Now. And <laughs> and she's like, okay, we're gonna just do it right now. And he's like, you can't even walk. And she's like, watch me, bitch. <laughs> and uh, no, what did she like? Just, you can hold me. Didn't she say you can hold yeah. me? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You'll hold. You'll hold me up. It'll be fine. And I thought the scene with Tor giving her the mating gown, I thought that was so sad, but so beautiful. And also, I thought it was like a nice sort of closing the loop of that side plot of knowing that he was there and that he was taking care of her mother. Um, Did you expect no one was her mom? Did you have any suspicions about that? So, okay, so no, I did not suspect that it was her mom. However, the whole book, I was wondering what... Who she was. Like, who she was, because they talked about her too much, you know? Yeah, okay, so no one is up in the sanctuary with the scribe virgin, and she's basically described as having, like, a thick black... Everyone's in white, and she's in, like, a black hooded cloak, and she's always serving all of the chosen and never taking anything for herself, pain... And her have a number of conversations, and Payne's always like, why don't you sit and have a repast with me? Why don't you come in the baths with me? Why don't you, you know, like, join me? And she's always like, no, thank you. Like, I have my work to do. So she's clearly doing penance for something. And I actually did think only because there's only one woman in the whole book who I was like, that it could be, at least, unless she ended up being someone else. So I was like, if she's connected to this book, that's who I think it is. Um, and, and yeah, and I, and tell me what you thought about Zex's response to meeting her mom. Was it what you expected? So, no. Okay. So the thing about no one for me, right. was like, so I knew she was going to be somebody, you know, at some point somewhere. <laughs> um, but and when she talked about, like, no, on the other side, things are, are not good. Here, everything is in order. On the other side, yeah. everything is not in order. Um, and so I knew, like, she had been through some things. But they also kind of described her as being, like, mentally um, handicapped some way. I don't know if that's a, a political. No, physically. Correct. She had, like, a limp or something. Physically handicapped. Oh, because I, see, I envisioned her as being somebody who had a mental, like, you know, disability or oh, something like that. No. So so I didn't uh so the idea of her I actually really in my mind dismissed her as being like a, a you know uh, in future books as a as someone's you know shellin or whatever because I thought it would be really like, you know, in ba- in poor taste <laughs> to like <laughs> have somebody take advantage of her or something like that. Sure. So not so now okay, that makes more sense because this whole time I've had her in my head um, as being like impaired that way changes the whole story. That, I don't know. Did you did you expect it to go down like that? Like, I thought I Zex know. was gonna be kind of mad, or yeah. like, or like, uh, because Zex in general is not a very warm and welcoming character. She's pretty standoffish to the people that she meets and and interacts with. I thought she was going to be less welcoming. And more like, how did you get here? I thought you were dead. I don't know. I just thought she was going to be more questioning. And I thought it actually ended up being a really lovely showcase of how Zex emotionally evolved during this book and recognized how precious 
relationships are and how precious life is because she had almost had it all snatched away again. And John Matthew almost got shot in the heart and she almost lost him. And so I think she sort of evolved through this and was like, I better take what I can. Yeah. Um, I thought Tor's response was hilarious where he was just like in complete shock. (laughs) Um, And... I liked also that Zex finally got to figure out why Tor is always, like, so nice to her. And she's like, I always stay away from him because it's kind of creepy. He's always so nice to me. <laughs> and I liked that she, he, like, she finally found out, oh, he was there when you were born. Because I don't know why he wouldn't have told her that, except for that I guess he didn't want her to know that he knew she was half sympath, maybe. I'm not sure. But also, I think they, they talked about um, them wanting her to have a normal life since she didn't look like a sympath. They thought that mm-hmm. they could hide her away. And so if if there was this looming male <laughs> that couldn't really be explained, you know, that might also raise a flag right. somehow. But that but that's when she's like a child. I mean, she's no he's been going to zero sum with Darius all the time for years and years. And like they've clearly been interacting for at least a decade, let's say. Yeah. But yeah, I think at the beginning that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so why is this guy I looking it was at me? A little strange. Yeah, I mean, I I do agree. I don't know necessarily know why you know later on he didn't tell her, and it might just be a thing like so much time had passed that mm-hmm. you know sometimes it, you know when when you don't when someone tells you their name and then you've known them for six months and you still don't know their name. Yeah, and you're like, well, you're yeah. like, shit, that ship has sailed. I can't ask God him now. <laughs> I'm such an asshole. And you're like hoping you're going to go somewhere with someone who doesn't know them so you can be like ask their names so that you figure it oh, out. Oh yeah. I do that all the time. Yeah. All the time I'll be like, "Bridget, <laughs> uh, ask them yeah. your name cuz I have I have no idea." And and or when you have to introduce um people someone you know and you don't know their name to someone else, you know, and you yeah. just pre- I always pretend like I forgot to introduce them. I'll be like I'll be like, "Oh, this is Rob." And then I'll let like Yeah. Like Rob introduced and hear their name. I was like, oh, sorry, sorry, I forgot to introduce you. Okay, Rob. Yeah. Oh, I thought you knew each other. <laughs> oh, yeah. my, you know. <laughs> yeah, we're basically bad people is what we're saying. Yeah, we're bad people. It's true. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, it could just be like too much time had passed and, you know, and, and it's like a can of worms because if he does make that introduction, it's like, how do you know me? Let's talk about this. Let's go into this. And mm. that's not mm-hmm. a pretty story to know that your mom had you and then committed suicide. Like... Yeah, true. I mean, it's not true, true. kitchen table talk. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I mean, like, how do you even bring that up? 200 years ago, up? while you were, you know, born, <laughs> I was the first one to hold you. Yeah. But it's yeah, it, it is really nice. It is really nice because, you know, I didn't, it took me about halfway through Darius' story to know, like, okay, this is where, this is Zex. I didn't remember that. And um, I actually, I actually thought that the story was going to go a little differently. I thought that the vampire wanted to be taken by the sympath. In the beginning. I did too at first. Yeah. Like when she was crying and he was holding her and they were like, the vacant eyes and whatever. And then they yeah. shot him and then she, they were like, her eyes are vacant. I thought she was going to be like, you killed my love. You killed you know? my lover. I thought so too. Yeah. Actually. That's why I thought it was going, you know. Uh, yeah. Uh, I do love that Zex now has um, a bit of a legacy in a family um, beyond John Matthew. Um, even though both of them are kind of, yeah, they're kind of orphans and uh, whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's cool that Tor is the, is a connector for them. Um, I like that he gets flashes of being Darius, um, Mm -hmm. in this book. And like feeling like it's right. Yeah. Yeah. And because I don't remember what happens in the other books, I'm a little bit excited because I'm like, do, 
do we find out he's Darius at some point? I've only I've only no. uh, I've only read up to the chosen. So I'm like I'm pretty hey. I'm pretty sure that John Matthew that I've read an interview and she said that he'll never find out because it would like you know how he always gets the seizures like when he met Beth and all these different yeah. places. So like it would be too much for his mind to like comprehend or whatever. So he's I don't think he's ever gonna find out that he's Darius as well. Got it. Well it was cool at least they had that moment where he had like deja vu. When, mm-hmm. you know, the, when Lash gets shot and that sort of mm-hmm. thing. Oh, my gosh. So, Zex almost lost a point for me, by the Tell way. Me. When she had Lash and she was on top of him and she did that thing that people do where they talk before they kill you. I know. And Double I tap like, that motherfucker. If you, if you don't stab him right now in the throat, <laughs> if you don't get him. Like, you know, she, and she's just wailing on him, punch, punching him. <laughs> I imagine yeah, it, though, where she's like, like get you, your guns stupid. out. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I yeah. I was so mad at that. I like I was spitting mad. I think I stopped the recording because I was like, and then and then she gets taken hostage, you know. And I'm like, I know you did that to yourself. <laughs> you I know, I know. I didn't love that part. I did not love that part. But I also was a little bit happy because it would have I think been too fast of a kill because he was like, yeah. I know he was getting weaker and weaker and stuff. But I feel like it would have been too fast of a kill. I just wish that, and also, she, and also because she wanted to tie it back into the tour shooting the sympath thing, you know. So that's clearly what they were trying to tie it back. So she I had guess, to be but, taken oh, hostage to. God, do it, so, but, yeah. I was so frustrated. I was annoyed. I was so, frustrated. I, was so, so frustrated. frustrated. <laughs> I thought it was dumb. Um, so I thought the mating ceremony. I always like the mating ceremonies. I like any of the sort of world building ceremonies, like yeah. when all of the brothers like stab the floor for Beth, when all of them kneel uh for the king and you know like like i just like all those moments i think the mating with the carving of the back is is like so symbolic that they're not human and that they're like other and i love Uh that he like gritted his teeth and didn't make any noise and she was so proud um and then i also to sort of wrap up the their part of the story for today i also thought that his response to her saying uh should I get your name tattooed on my back? And he just like immediately orgasms. <laughs> like, I just thought that was like, like, like such a cute response. He's just like, just like, splooge, do it. <laughs> Big splooge. Okay, so now that kind of wraps up John, Matthew, and Zex. Uh, we'll be right back with all of the other side plots. Hello, best friends. Thank you for being loyal listeners of Romance at a Glance. We're so happy to have you. If you'd like to support us further, head over to Patreon, where you can become one of our patrons. We've got a lot of great perks, such as merch and a super secret discussion group, where Bridget and I talk to you directly about all things romance and all things nasty. So come on over. And now, back to our show. Let's talk about pain. Ooh, let's Let's talk talk about about pain. Mm -hmm. All right, so... I thought her emotional landscape in this book was so sad. <laughs> like everything, like she hates everything about where she is. The unchangingness, yeah. how everything is perfect. Like she just doesn't fit in. She hates being there. She's trapped. Um, she's so Which kind it, to yeah. Layla and no one. But she's clearly just stuck, literally and metaphorically. And I felt so bad for her. You know that conversation she has with Noon where she's like, I got to get out of here. This place is, you know, everything that she hates about this place, Noon loves about the place. Yeah. It's so crazy when she, like, goes to her mom and is like, yo, I, let me out of here. Like, yeah. I got to get out of here. 
you know. And she's yeah. like, ah, that's not your destiny. Like, it was such like, a weird Fuck destiny. I'm gonna kill everyone in this piece. It, this <laughs> piece. Let me it, was, go. it was such a weird answer to me because, yeah. like, if the scribe virgin, virgin knows her destiny or what she's supposed to do or whatever, then it doesn't make sense. It makes things not make sense for me. If if she was just like, no, you're my daughter and you ain't going nowhere, that makes sense to me. But at the end of so all of I this. Think I, I think, here's what I think. I get what okay. you're saying. Because it's like, does the scribe virgin know everyone's destiny and is everything fixed? Yeah. But I think that she wanted a she could she can see the paths in sort of destiny and where things are taking and she wanted oh. a different destiny for pain than going down to the world so i, you know I think what? she wanted her to like stay there and be with her or whatever but she wanted a different destiny and because when this when so pain and wrath are fighting and she fall like flies into the marble edge of the pool and breaks her back and wrath is like what the fuck's going on give her let me help her and the scribe virgin is like i don't want this for her and the king's like what's wrong with you she's your daughter like what is happening let her go and she's finally like i free you because i feel like she's basically like breaking what she did with vicious where she's like okay now i'm no longer your mother sort of thing yeah yeah, she it said it they that she expelled her. And you said yeah. something interest you said something really interesting because um so like for for me, I'm an empath and my gifting is what I call pathways, right? Which is like I can meet somebody and see like where they're gonna be ahead of time, like where they're where they're going, right? Mm-hmm. And I think with the scribe virgin she uh Maybe she knows that pain's destination is, you know, D, right? And right. she she wants her to go A, B, C, D, because that'll get her there with the least amount of pain, <laughs> right? Um, and the way that pain wants to do it is going to, you know, take her from A, Z, X, Y, you know, all the way back right. to, to D. And it's going to be a more painful, right. you know, process, in general, mm-hmm. right? So the end yeah. result will be the same. And maybe, so when she says that this is not your destiny, maybe it's just that, like, you know, how you're going to get there is not going to be an ideal way. But pain needs the pain. I think she's like somebody who wants to, who needs to learn through, you know, grit. Like any teenager, she's and, essentially and really like. Wants the dis wants the disorder. She doesn't want that perfect existence. Because yeah. the scribe virgin, she already said, like, I wanted my son to be the prime male didn't clearly work out and I wanted my daughter essentially to be like a paragon of of the chosen and you know pain she has described as being too much like the blood letter and then we find out in this one that the only time she was ever allowed to go down to earth she killed her dad the blood letter <laughs> and I'm pretty sure she kills him for what he does to vicious yeah if I remember right um one thing I thought was interesting about her is that she knew about Vicious. She knew that she had a twin. She thought he was dead. The scribe virgin said that he was dead, but she knew about him. And Vicious does not know that he has a twin, doesn't know that she exists. And 
because Wrath is blind, he's never seen her. So he doesn't know that she looks exactly like Vicious. Yeah. And it's not until they bring her down to the world and Jane sees her and Jane is like, Vicious? Like, what's happening here? Um, and Payne's like, why are you speaking, you know, speaking of my blooded dead? And Jane's like, he's not dead. I'm mated to him. Oh, wait, she says I'm mated to him. So maybe they just get mated. Um I guess it just but, it happens. It happens in the in between that we're not. Yeah, it's like off <laughs> screen, low key. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Vegas. But Vegas I like style. that. I also like that her response to finding out that he's alive is, "I will kill the scribe virgin just like I did my sire." <laughs> She's just <laughs> like, "I'll kill that bitch, just like I kill my dad." Like, watch me. <laughs> you know, like she's, she's. Uh, I like it. I like that about her. I thought it was really a funny response. Um, and I, I thought the moment where Vicious meets her and she sees him for the first time and he sees her for the first time and, like, they hold hands and immediately, like, the connection is so deep. I thought that was cool. Yeah. I was uh, So I did love that the connection was so deep. And back to your other point, like, um, the fact that she knew about him and he didn't know about her. I kind of assumed mm-hmm. maybe the scribe virgin took his, his uh, what do you call it, uh, thoughts away or vicious went through so much as a kid that it like and he left at like three or something like didn't he leave no um you're right he was three he was like three years old right so they could have known each other both of them could yeah have known but each other. he but i don't remember shit from when i'm below three i do and if no and if I do. no one i think most kids don't and also, if you think about it, vampires don't go through puberty until they're, like, 25. So, like, under three for them is, like, I would assume uh, under, like, one for us, you well, know? Like, this you're is, really little. You are, but I th- I feel like, well, it, they talk about they age normally until they get to, like, a certain age, and then they start slowing it down. But um, mm-hmm. I, I kind of feel like it, it is plausible that they grew up together, vicious and pain, playing with each other, little toddlers or whatever. Um, and then Vicious goes to the blood letter and he don't have time mm-hmm. to remember pain. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? Like he's he's in trauma mode, but she's still living in, you know, happy la-la land and she just knows her playmate is gone. So it, it does feel to me well, like Well, and she could, could see him through the reflecting pools and stuff. Yeah. So she has the opportunity to keep seeing him. So why would you tell him he's dead just so she doesn't want to go? You know, she probably did yeah. that. She probably like, he died out there in a brutal world. You don't want to go out to that brutal world. It's a cold, cold world. I wonder if she told him, though, he was dead, and that's why she kills the blood letter. Okay, we're going to find all these things out in oh her my gosh. book. We have so much. So many things. So much so to find things. out. I don't even know which book is hers. Is it the next one? Who knows? We'll find out. <laughs> I want to cover, I want to finish with Quinn, Blaylock, and Saxton because they're my favorite thing. But first, I want to talk about two quick things. One, I really love that John, Matthew, and Tor finally repaired their relationship when they both finally got their heads out of the proverbial sand and just, like, manned up and apologized and sort of reunited as father and son. Yes. And I think uh, just really quickly that um, his relationship with Zex, I think, also helped that happen in a little bit of a way because— he could understand how Tor would feel losing a Shellen. 
like losing oh, a totally. mate. Totally. You know, I totally. which I he couldn't he he kept being like he's just gone, he's just gone, but now he's like, "Oh, like he lost the love like, of his life." Sure. I think it, like th- I would be gone a, too. Yeah, there's a more compassion right. there, I think, that they both are having for each other now. I agree. And totally pain agree. is pain is the next book. I was just looking it up. I was like, yeah. I think she's the next book. Pain and Manny. Um, um, Manuel Manello. Manuel. Manuel. I am a little bit mad that the next book is not Quinn and Blaylock because I yes. love them. And mm-hmm. I, the burn is killing me, Shawnee. The burn. It killed the me burn. the first time and it's still killing me. The oh, only yeah. other thing I want to talk about before we talk about them, because I think we need to spend a significant amount of time on them. Is the southern side plot where they're at the plantation and doing the paranormal recording. Mm-hmm. So obviously at the very, very end. So basically what happens is these two characters show up at this plantation. It's supposed to have ghosts. And then lo and behold, there's actually a quote unquote ghost, which turns out to be murder. And he's like living in the attic. And the weirdest thing I thought, though, was that he goes and has sex with that lady. <laughs> and then... Does he, like, brainwash that guy into being a better guy and taking care of her? Is that what happened? Or is it yes. just that it, Or is it just that because she's so, like, sexually fulfilled, that guy gets jealous? But it seems like he kind of brainwashes that guy. No, he, brain, he brainwashed that guy. So, so, one, he saw a girl who wasn't getting it like she was supposed to be getting it. So he gave it to her in, a, like, a dream sleep. He gave it but to like, her. Like, yes. he gave it to her. She was like, I definitely yeah. had sex with a ghost, which, you know, if any ghost wants to come and give me some good, good, um, I'm open. <laughs> I'm open to but, it. You know I'm what I'm saying? I'm <laughs> I'm like, can't get pregnant from ghost sex. Um, yeah. But anyways, so, so yes. And then when he went up to the attic or whatever, um, he did. He, like, he put into his brain that he was, like, not treating her well, not you doing these things. I also think you might have removed some blocks from this guy because the guy talks about not being fulfilled in his own life and having some of these mm-hmm. different insecurities. So I kind of feel like he just like took those mental blocks out of the guy so that he could actually connect yeah. with yeah. uh with Yeah, because the- then all of a sudden they're like connecting and they're happy and he's like noticing all the stuff and she's incredibly happy. He's like noticing her and they film their special and it, they have this, like, whole wonderful side romance. And I'm like, I don't give a flying fuck about these two. And then you find out it's murder. And I'm like, that's cool because, like, Zach's thought murder was crazy. But now he's clearly, like, maybe sort of repairing himself. Although I think it's a little crazy to have sex with someone while they think they're dreaming. But I also, did you care? Or, or like, I mean, I thought it took up a lot of the book. no. I did not give a flying fuck. I was like, why are we following these people? Why what is happening here? Yeah. Like, um yeah. and also I I don't know if you how you envisioned him, but I envisioned him as a pirate. Like as this weird <laughs> me too. I don't know why. I gave him like a peg leg and everything. Yeah, like and dark that, hair and like a yeah. scowl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I know yeah. he had like the whole gamut, like the ha- the pirate hat, the peg leg, yeah. like the whole. Even though they never said <laughs> any of that, I just I didn't think how, about a peg leg. <laughs> I imagine him like him. like a like a Confederate war general, you know, where he's like on the wrong side of the boundaries. That's actually but still that's, real sexy. 
Yes, I, I, I could definitely see that too. Because I feel like there was a bit of a cross between it. It was like Confederate pirate. Like, I, Confederate so I, pirate. I didn't foresee him being, I didn't foresee it being murder um, or whatnot. And I did wonder the whole book though, stupid now as it seems, that was like, whatever happened to murder? All the time I was like, whatever happened to that fool? Where is he? Like, what's going yeah. on with him? What's his life like? Yeah. <laughs> I, I liked though that she recognized him, but then didn't go... Because I feel like a lot of times in books, people feel like, oh, I have to, like, close this loop, and oh, it's up to me, and yada, yada. And I liked that she was like, I'm happy that he seems better. That Oh, that's, she's kind of like, oh, that's where he ended up. And then she's like, oh, but he knows where I am, so if he wanted to contact me, he could come find me. Because I think that's a much healthier thing than her just, like, fucking showing up on his fucking doorstep. And he's like, yeah, I know where you are. You're where I left you. I know where you live. I don't want to talk to you. I have your phone number. I don't want to call you. Um, so I thought it was nice that she left him alone. Okay, I just wanted to quickly wrap that up because, like, I just okay, didn't care, but I wanted to hear your opinion. Okay, let's talk quickly about my favorites. Um, this book made me so incredibly heartbroken oh like okay first of all it starts with blay and john matthew and quinn while john matthew's getting his tattoo and blay or quinn decides that he's gonna bang that receptionist and blay's like talking about how every time quinn says yes to everyone the one resounding no is louder and i was like oh my god how fucking hard would that be because it's not even like He's in love with Quinn and Quinn knows that, but Quinn is just like dating someone else or in love with someone else. Quinn's just fucking everything, but won't fuck him, which I would be like, that's bullshit. Like if you're a man whore and I'm willing to be part of that situation, then why am I (laughs) the only one exempt from getting the strange from you? But it makes sense in a way. They they work together. I mean, they're colleagues. So if it don't work out, well, they're not colleagues. They're, they're way co- past colleagues. Like they a, are okay. best buddies for life. Listen, they're best buddies for life, but that is also like the thing that it. No, makes it, it suck. You know, it's so and, sad. Yeah, it's so sad. And I think one of the saddest moments, but also like a girl pair moment, is like when Quinn says at the end, he's like, you know, as badass as he thinks he is or wants to be, he has been ostracized his whole life because of his you know, different Mm -hmm. eyes and he's not ready to be an openly gay, you know, or bisexual or fluid, whatever you want, whatever you want. He's not willing to do that because the glimera is going to judge him, you know? And he's like, and he's like, I hate that they have that much power over me, but they do, you know? Yeah. And so like, and they had so many hot moments though. Like when Quinn is fucking that chick and he locks eyes with Blay and Blay's like, oh my God, like he is, watching me watch him and getting turned on by it. Oh, oh my God. And then the scene, Shani, the scene where Quinn says in his mind, instead of out loud, like a real, like, ugh, he says, I miss you. I miss you so fucking bad. It hurts, but I don't know how to even find you, even though you're right in front of me. Ugh, I have ugh. that one written down too. Oh my ugh. God. First of all, this book had so many quotes. So, so many, many quotes. quotes. I have ugh. Four. I have and four. And I narrowed it down from like 12. But it's 512 pages and I feel like four is, is reasonable. It's reasonable. Yeah. Um, I was just so sad for them both. I was so sad for Quinn because 
like you said, he's still so trying to fit in to a world that he clearly is just not meant to fit into the glam era. And like, I want him to embrace the whole Quinn that he can be. Uh, I also am so sad for Blay that he's like so in love with Quinn. And I think he suspects that Quinn is lying to himself about wanting a female Shellen and stuff. And he even says it to him in past books, like, are you oh, sure it's not because of the Glymera? Like, are yeah. you sure? Uh, and, like, in this book, you know, when he's just, like, say the word and I won't go, like, you have oh. the power. Like, tell me not oh. to leave. Tell me to stay yet, with you. kiss me. Kiss oh. me. And then they kiss. Oh, but can you imagine oh. the mortification after when Blay is, like, ready. He's, like, they're making out. He drops his pants. And then Quinn's, like, have a good time and just leaves. Oh. How fucking sad. Shawnee. Shawnee. I think they <sighs> killed me also, in this like, book. They literally killed me. And it's weird. I think this is weird because you because of the incest thing. You can't be, like, team throuple. Um, But, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's helpful when the other character is someone you can hate, right? But Saxton is such a sweet soul and he's and he's zesty you know what i mean mm-hmm. like he's got a little so i like when he tells sassy. him like oh oh if you want to wear stripes you know like i love when yeah. he i i just love his personality so um and he's he is the softness that that meets blaze softness you know mm-hmm. he's the acceptance that meets blaze acceptance but he's not quinn um mm-hmm. and it's uh yeah it's so you love it, and it, but it's also so sad. And you also know that, and for me, I, I like the opposites attract. So the fact that Saxton is kind of so soft and Blaze also so soft to me, these two teddy bears, it doesn't work. It doesn't work for me, like, in the long but run. But I think it's, I think in the long run, you're right. Obviously, he's meant to be with Quinn. Um, I like that he is... I feel like he's, like, what Blay needs, though, after, like, being rejected, like, having someone pursue him and show him that they want him and sort of introduce him into, like, what it means to be in a partnership with a man um, in a way that he's never had before because the last time, you know, like, he's, he's, you know, was with women when he was with Quinn and they were like having sex with lots of random girls until he realized like that doesn't do it for me. And then he's just been like hoping and waiting and lusting after and unrequited for Quinn. So this is kind of like his first relationship, his first adult relationship. And I think they're and a Saxon date together. Walks him through it so and lovely. Saxton, I know. And he's just like, he's like, this is the time where people kiss. <laughs> I know. I was just gonna say that that moment is so sweet and so just like juicy. And I was literally hit by a feels train. I like when you know Saxon's like, I don't bite unless you ask. And like Blade just like doesn't even know what to do. He's like intrigued <laughs> and into it, but also nervous. And yeah. I just thought it was, it's just like their relationship is so great. And I thought Quinn's response to their relationship is so sad because his. It's hella toxic. He's, <laughs> what it was. It was hella toxic. Well, it's, it's more, it's more, well, 
you can tell me why you think it's toxic, but I thought it was okay. sad because he's not saying, Blay, I don't think you should be with me because I don't want to be with women, be with men. He's saying, Blay, like, you're too good for me. You need someone who's as good as you and Saxton is as, you know, is on your level. Like, you should be with someone like him, not like me. Like, in his mind, he's saying all of this. Yeah. And he clearly, like, he's like, I don't like that I'm a man whore. Like, I'm... Like, I don't like these things about myself, and you're so good, and you're so beautiful and so pure. Like, I don't deserve someone like you. And which, again, I'm like, stop trying to, like, put other people's feelings in your shit. Like, stop speaking for other people, people. Like, let them speak for themselves. But also, um, I thought it was really sad. And also very sweet that he's like, you know, even though Saxon's my cousin, if he hurts you— I'll, like, rip his head off, basically. <laughs> oh, um, so, okay. Yeah. So, like, okay. This book made me not like Quinn a little bit more. Mostly okay, because I me. actually re- really read his scenes. Um, yeah. It's super manipulative to me the way Quinn is with Blay. So mm-hmm. Quinn and Blay are together. Quinn wants nothing to do with Blay. He's getting blowjobs and stuff from the girl at the counter. He's doing right. whatever, whatever he wants. Then Blay's like, oh, I have a date. Then Quinn's like, oh, my toy that I'm not playing with has found another mm-hmm. toy, and now yeah. I want it, or I just don't want anybody else to want it, you know? Right. And I didn't like that. So it's like he had that date set up with Saxon, and then Quinn appears, and he's like, you know, like, yeah. oh, okay. And then the, he, yeah, he starts messing with him, and then he's like, okay, go on your date now. Like, how is he supposed to enjoy his date with someone else after this thing just happened. You got in his head and then you sent him mm-hmm. out, you know, yeah. which I thought was cruel. I thought it was really cruel uh, scene there. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and then he shows up to the date and is following them and watching them, you know, um, like stalker much. <laughs> I was like, this yeah. is really, like, you know, and I know it's it plays into their love story, but still I think that his actions towards Blay are, are very um, – uh, what do you call it? Um, back and forth. Like he's telling Blade, "Don't, uh, don't count on me." And then every so often, throwing him breadcrumbs, you know. Mm-hmm. And knowing that Blade is vulnerable to this, he does it, and then he pulls back, mm-hmm. and then he pulls back. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so uh, that for me kind of made me lose a little bit of my love for Quinn in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I didn't just fully read all of their scenes because I <laughs> was skipping through to Zex and John Matthews yeah. when I this before um (laughs) so yeah so that's that's where i'm coming from with that okay i totally agree with you on all fronts i think he was definitely hot and cold uh two things one i think that he is a vampire not a human being and is clearly fighting his bonded male reaction because his bonded male comes out when they kiss and blaze like super shocked um so but so he's fighting the fact that he is a bonded male but also doesn't want to be and doesn't think he should be. So I totally agree with you. He was hot and cold and it was cruel. And I, but the reason I liked that was that this book was the first time that Blay stood up for himself and was like, no, enough is enough. Like you don't get to do that. I'm leaving and I'm going to do something that's healthy for me because this is not healthy for me. And I liked that because I feel like without, Blay finally, like, embracing his own needs and wants and protecting his own heart, then we couldn't get to a good equal footing of them in the future. That's true. So I I I was focused a a lot on Blay because I love Blay. 
Uh, I was focused a lot on Blaze sort of evolution. Um, Because I do think that Quinn is being a little bitch. And I do think even in his internal (laughs) monologue, he's like, I know I'm being a big baby. Yeah. (laughs) And I don't know how to stop myself. Um, And and I do think Blaze, I love that Blaze did get a soft introduction to, because Saxon is the first guy he's ever slept with. And so Mm -hmm. he gets a soft, beautiful introduction into um, into that relationship and into being with men. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think in reality, in real life, I've heard so many stories just from my friends who, because they had to be in the closet, because they had to do it a certain Mm -hmm. way and it was taboo, they were finding people online where it wasn't safe Mm -hmm. and their first introductions Mm -hmm. were always real sketch, you know, um, and that sort of thing. And that happens, you know, more often than it should. And so it's really nice that it, even though Blaze not like super out, out, you know, he, um, he was able to have a beautiful, like... Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of the people in the gay community that I've talked to said that it was typically... In this instance, it was also, like, uh, someone who is out and who has been with men, and then they are sort of, like, the new initiate. And that unlike sort of heterosexual people when they're teenagers who kind of get to have those first fumblings with people of their own age or their own experience level, and they get to kind of explore stuff together... Like you said, because a lot of people are in the closet or they're maybe they're the only out gay person, but they don't there's no other young gay teenagers out or maybe there's none that they are attracted to who are out because there's only a few to choose from that. They don't get to have those sort of innocent fumblings and they get kind of a probably a more uh, rough or scary or or whatever adjective you want to use exploration of that. I thought Saxton and his I just thought their their little romance was beautiful and yeah. even Blake going to his house and taking care of him after the humans beat him up and inviting him to the brotherhood and to be fed by a chosen I thought was just really well done I, I felt Blaze sort of growing care for Saxton and and vice versa that Saxton was like you don't owe me this like why would you take care of me and Blaze like how could I not because that's who Blaze is yes and uh, as our question before is, why didn't the Chosen um, feed Butch? Uh, Jody McIntyre came through on Instagram and said that Butch at that time was not a brother. Mm-hmm. And so the Chosen were only meant to feed the brothers and Vicious was not the primal. So he did not have control of the Chosen at that point. And so that's why Beth had to feed uh, Butch, which makes a lot of sense. So right. Whereas now, because Whereas now, the chosen Fury are just has... up for grabs. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, given an option, a choice, but sure, they're just fucking up for grabs. It's like snackable chosen all over. Nom 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 nom. <laughs> well, my thing is like, right? The chosen have a choice, but do they really? Like that? Of that's they always do. No, but think about it. I mean, honestly, think about it, right? And I'll, and I'll I'll relate it. I'll relate it to Christianity, right? So like. And that's only because it's my my experience. So don't anybody take this personally. Um, when I grew up, there were certain things that I was taught is how you do things, right? This is, you know, this is just how it goes. The chosen are like that. They were raised that this is how it goes. Now somebody mm-hmm. walks in and says, you have a choice, right? So I get to be an adult. I'm in college. And now I can do whatever I want. My mom's not watching me. <laughs> Only God is. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and and that is still a strong force in your in your your 
your choices. It was hard for me to say no to people. It was hard for me to do certain things because I had been raised a certain way. So the chosen have been raised that their that their goal is to feed these males, is to have their babies, is to do that sort of thing. And so, yes, there might be a few who have the gumption to say no, but there's going to be a lot that are going to take a lot of time to be able to stand in their own power and feel like they really have a choice. And so I that totally agree. It's like they were in a cult and now they have been released. Yes. I and and they do say that some of the chosen choose to stay in the sanctuary and they don't want to come down. And some go back and forth. Uh my my instinct is that Fury would choose the most woke of the chosen. <laughs> To give them a choice of whether or not they would like to help. And generally, I feel like, yeah. And generally, I feel like, in I mean, a human being or a vampire or whomever, you know, if you hear, hey, someone got their shit beat out of them and you can help them and it's not going to hurt you. And it's, you know, like feeding doesn't hurt them or um, endanger them, you know, and Fury's going to be there. So I feel like. I would be like, yeah, sure, of course, come over, let's do this, because you know. And I was not raised <laughs> to constantly be helping people, but I do hear what you're saying. They are cult survivors, and that will take a long time to repair. Yeah. Okay, I just want to finish with my Quinn and Blaylock saga. With when I read this book originally, I was so distressed that they weren't the next book in line. Because I was like, I can't wait anymore. I need closure. Me, me too. Me too. I was pissed. And I still feel that way. I am still <laughs> unhappy that they are not the next book, but the book after that. Uh, but I guess I will survive until that time. Also, because Pain us- is like a recent introduction. She's only in the she last is. two books. And I don't, I, I that drives me crazy. I'm like, somebody I've been following from the beginning or from, you know, from longer, should mm-hmm. get their book first. I'm like, it's too soon for mm-hmm. pain. She hasn't she hasn't earned it yet. But I totally agree. She hasn't earned it yet. I would like her to have had one book, like, so she got now to the Brotherhood Mansion. So the next book's about someone else, so that we get to see her more, and then the next book after that is about her. However, yeah. I do think that the next book, if I remember correctly, has, again, the side plot is Quinn and Blay. So you do get a lot of their story and like the drawn outness of their story, I think makes their book much sweeter. Um, If I remember right, who knows? The next book could not even have them. (laughs) As we found out from this podcast, I don't remember very much from all the side (laughs) things. But uh, let's talk about our heroine. What kind of booties are you giving to Zex today? You know what? I gave Zex five daggers. Okay, Did I didn't you? even give her. I didn't give her. I didn't give her peach booties because I felt like it wasn't fitting for Zach. I love it. Um, five daggers. So I, I, love I gave it. her. I gave her five. I did not feel. I felt like her entire story was justified. I felt like her reactions mm-hmm. were justified. I felt like everything mm-hmm. was in character for her. I love that she saved herself. I love that she broke through Lash's force field and damn near burned all her skin off and <laughs> and and broke her arm and and everything in the process. It wasn't like an easy thing or whatever. Like the gumption that she pushes through, like and like. I I don't know. I just and then I loved how vulnerable she got after that. She was like, "I'm not invincible." 
and I'll probably go for Lash and I'll kill him, but I will also die. Like, mm-hmm. I just thought, I just loved her. Sorry. I went on, yeah. I, I went I, a lot in there, but I love her. I love her. I totally agree. The only thing I will add is that I love that when John Matthew, we didn't even talk about this, but when Z goes to John Matthew and says, I was raped too, and I talked to Mary and it really helped me, I think it would help Zex. Um, And John Matthew is like shocked and blown away. Um, I love that when he suggests that, she's like, yes, because I want to be healthy and I want to be with you and I know I got a lot of shit going on and I know I got to work through it. Because uh, I think that, too, takes a lot of courage to acknowledge the broken parts of yourself and try mm-hmm. to fix them. So I also gave her five. I gave her peach booties. I didn't think of daggers. That's brilliant. And I will make your little emoticons on the website daggers. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about John Matthew. What you got? Okay. Uh, here are rating John Matthew five. I gave him a five. He can do no wrong for me. Uh, the growth of his character from book one till now, is amazing. He went from being a little kind of bitch, woe is me, pre-trans, to uh, like, fuck everybody. I went. I think he went to both extremes, and I love that he has middled out, right? So he went from being mm-hmm. like, super woe is me, to super like, fuck everybody, I'm not doing dealing with anybody's shit, to being like, mm-hmm. whoa, 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 I went too far, let's find a middle ground. And mm-hmm. he feels super justified to me. I love his interactions with Zex. I love that he doesn't expect her to be who she's not um, mm-hmm. and that he's meeting her where she is. So, mm-hmm. yes, I gave him a five. I also gave him a five, and I love that he makes the amends in this book that he needs to make from his actions in the early part of the book and also in the previous book. And I really appreciated that, that it wasn't, like, swept under the rug. He actually, like, went to tour talked to Blay, talked to Quinn, and was like, I fucked up. I'm sorry. I will do better. I think now. he was a McDreamy. And I wanted to give him a funnier Mick name. But he's just a McDreamy. He's just dreamy. I, I just love him. I called him a I called him a McMuffin. <laughs> Aw, that's a good one. I love McMuffin. <laughs> I called him a McMuffin because I thought this book was so romantic. So and romantic. It, I felt like this book was like, the expectation was that it was going to be steamy and and this and that or whatever. And this book is about like a guy's skin falling off and people getting killed and whatever. And there was such mm-hmm. a sweet romance. And mm-hmm. I- Dude, this is not, two sweet romances in a row yeah. for you. Yeah, I'm in the, I'm in the feels. This so podcast I, is getting yeah. Shawnee in touch with the feels. I know, Bridget. What's happening? I'm getting older and mushy. Like, <laughs> so yes, he was a McDreamy McMuffin for me. Aww. I also thought he was McDreamy. I love McMuffin. I thought we had some beautiful vanilla and emotional sexual encounters and non-sexual encounters. I already told you a few of my favorite lines because obviously I also had four. Oh yeah, we're um, gonna have a lot. This is gonna be the longest podcast ever. <laughs> I am just going to tell you the ones that I didn't already tell you. So, and you guys can go on Insta and see all the quotes or on the website. But I'll tell you the one that I didn't tell you yet, which is you are not half the male you could be because of what was done to you. You're twice what anyone else is because you survived. Is that yours too? That's mine too. That's my number one. one. That's a good one. Read it again. Read it again. Read it again. Okay. 
You're not half the male you could be because of what was done to you. You're twice what anyone else is because of what you survived. So true. (sighs) Okay, I'm going to do my other ones and see if I get some other ones that we have the same. As she stood beside John Matthew and watched his huge body crumble down by the bed, the organ that beat beneath her sternum shattered like a mirror. Oh, I don't have that one, but that one is beautiful. What do you got? Tell me one. What you got? Well, you like I have four of them, but two of them already you already said during the podcast. Okay, which is the hold yeah. you up one. Um, I missed you. Yes. I miss you so fucking bad. Yes. That one. Oh, I, I that love one that one. Me. So the other one that I have that you don't have. Okay. Uh, well, there's two. Okay, here we go. So it's the truth was he was in love with her, totally over the line, no going back, not even dead would he part. Kind of shit. That That's a was good one. That was a good one. And then uh, this was actually between uh, Tor and John Matthew. And, it, okay. and Tor said, uh, uh, he, they were talking about Zex. Doesn't have to be easy to be right. And then John Matthew was uh, thought, in that case, we were meant for each other. Um, and I, I thought that was just so sweet. Because at the end of the day, has anybody mm-hmm. in a grown-ass relationship going through growth. I, I think there's a lot of people in relationships and not all of them are trying to grow together and not all of yeah. them are focused on their self-growth. As anybody yeah. who's in a relationship constantly working on themselves, self-growth and a couple growth, you know yeah. that mo- a lot of the time it's not easy. <laughs> yes. A lot mm-hmm. of the time it's not easy. You're there because you choose uh, to be there and because you have mm-hmm. faith in your yourself and your, and your coupledom. Um, mm-hmm. and so I love that line because I feel like it's just like a universally true type of line. So remember when I said I had four quotes, it turns out that I have five. So I'm going to just tell you my last one. Okay. I know you have like <laughs> 10 quotes over there, Bridget. Stop playing. <laughs> Stop fronting over there. Like you only have okay. one more. <laughs> Shawnee, can I tell you right now that I had 54 notes and 114 highlights in this book? Absolutely. So if anyone wants to see what I was highlighting or noting, uh, it will be on Goodreads. And you can check out all of the things that I had comments about because there was a lot of things, many of which we have covered in this podcast and some of which we have not. Um, Okay, this was my last one, uh, which we talked about, but I'll give you the quote. How about we head over to that tattoo place, maybe get my name on your back. Oh, wait, that's wrong. That's not how you say it. I'll start over. How about we head over to that tattoo place? Maybe get your name in my back. The orgasm that rocketed out of his body and into hers evidently served as a well enough reply. And I was like, <laughs> I just thought it was so cute that he's just like yeah. immediately comes when he knows she's going to have his name on her back. I thought it was yeah. the sweetest. It is the sweetest. Uh, and I love that. I, I love like a character like Zex and John Matthew can give us the sweet, sweet feels. I love I how J.R. Ward wrote that and made that possible. All right. Let's talk about our favorite ratings and wrap this shit up because this is a long podcast. If you're sticking with us right now, props to you because we talked about a lot of things and I hope that you got a lot of laughs and a lot of feels. All right. What do you got? Tell me your review. Okay. So my review is from Patsy G on Audible and she wrote title. Mmm, wow. 
Of all the brothers, I was most excited to see where John Matthew headed. I knew he loved Zex and always knew her issues were going to be hard to bear. But damn if the young boy alone all his life knew the right moves. He is passionate, loving, strong, and one of the kindest brothers. I thought Rev was my favorite, but John Matthew moved him over. LOL. This is a spellbounding series. Long listening, action-packed, nerve-wracking, sexy. I was sad when it was over. I felt like I left my friends behind. Sad face. That's how I felt, too. When, when it was I'm, over, I was like, I was sad. I was I was sad to leave Zex and John Matthew's story. And, and now I'm ready for the next book. I thought uh, what she said about him being the kindest brother. I thought I liked that. Um, mine was Amy Foxy Blogs, and she rated it five stars. And she said, I was beginning to lose heart the further I went in the Black Dagger Brotherhood series because of the charm these books had begun to fade for me. Books two and three were awesome, and Lover Mine ranks right up there with those other two books as being a great read. And I totally agree because books two and three were Butch and Zadist. Love those books. And then we had Fury, wah, wah, and Vicious, wah, wah, sadly. Wah, wah. Um, and then obviously Revenge, which was dope. And then this one. So I totally agree with her. I, I was, uh, I got a little lost. I got a little lost, a little saddened. And I'm glad that we are right back up to the excellence of those books. So thank you, Amy Foxy Blogs. Mm-hmm. I'm expecting that Payne's book next is going to be a womp. Like, I don't remember it, to be fair. But yeah. after that is Blay and Quinn. So, yay! Uh, and, which we love. So, there's always a womp between the love, right? We had two books that we loved. So, mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine liking this book. Like, you know what I mean? I just feel like it's going to be yeah. the womp, the book you got to get through to get to Blay and Quinn. And then when that happens, oh my God, that podcast is going to be lit. We about to get crazy. <laughs> All right. Well, until we get to Payne's book, may your books be your lover. And your hand your best friend. Thanks for hanging in with us, romance readers. Head over to Instagram to continue chatting with us. We're super friendly. We want to cackle with you. We want to know what your favorite sex scene was. And we need more book recommendations. If you want to read along with us, go to our website, romanceataglance.com, to see what we're reading next. And we'll see you next podcast.